Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back to another episode of We're All a Little Crazy. I'm your host, Eric Houston, along with NHL great Theo Fleury. And Theo, we've got our buddy Darren back after a two-week hiatus. Darren was out in the Super Bowl promoting his new drink, I'll say it that way, kickstand. Uh, had a very successful launch weekend, so we're proud of him. I thought I thought you went to rehab after the Super Bowl, Darren. <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a good drinker and a good gambler. I can control okay. all my impulses. All right. He, Perfect. He, uh, he came back with some great stories, but one of the other things he came back with is a little bit of a tease as I as I headed to this topic. He's like, Eric, met a guy, former athlete, you got to talk to him. And that's the way that this build has gone over the last four years is, you know, it started with I shared my story. Athletes started opening up to me. Holy shit, I went through that or that's similar or, wow, we have similar themes that came from it. And so when Darren meets someone is like, he's one of us. And you hear Theo all the time say, we collect people. I know that Darren's onto something because with all Darren's quirkiness in a, in a fun, loving way, um, he knows who the people are who speak our language. And when I say speak our language, I mean willingness to be vulnerable and share real storytelling and not I'm so-and-so and I have such and such label. Now use this endorsement deal for whatever the product is. Actually getting down to the nitty gritty and having these conversations. Okay. So I get on the phone with this gentleman. He tells me a friggin' crazy story of his life. And I'm hearing the themes that he's sharing with me. One of the biggest ones, so this is a little bit of a reveal, is, Eric, I'm on a flight on a private jet on the way to my first All-Star game. And it's my friggin' private jet. And I've been trying to play Major League Baseball my whole life. And I'm getting to this pinnacle. And the only thought that comes over me is, is this all there is? And that's only a piece of his story that you're going to hear. But so put a pin in that for a second. That happens. Then later that week, after I talk with him, you got a gentleman, Kyle Jacobs. He's 49 years old. He's the husband of Kelly Pickler. I am not a country music fan. So this is all stuff that I've learned since. Okay. But Kelly Pickler rises to fame, American Idol, Dancing with Stars. And her husband, Kyle Jacobs, was a big time songwriter. And he had written hits for Garth Brooks, Tim McGraw, and we find out he dies by suicide. And in his final Instagram post before his death, he was celebrating a big award that he had won, which in the space of writing is enormous. Lee Bryce wrote a song, Hey World, and it became certified as platinum. And so the Instagram post coming from Kyle was platinum sweet. Amazing crew of incredibly talented people coming together on this. Deeply honored to be a creative part of it. Thank you. Right? Sounds like a humble tweet. And I'm listening to that and I'm going, this dude just won one of the biggest awards he could win in the space that he's in. And we lose him to suicide a day later. And then I'm remembering the story that I just had with the gentleman that 
Darren introduced me to. Then I'm remembering a guest that we've had on the show, Reggie Walker, who tells me when he made the NFL, it was the worst day of his life because you realize this is all there is. Then I'm remembering Tyler Hamilton, teammate of Lance Armstrong, telling me I went to go ring the bell at the stock exchange after winning the Tour de France and thinking this is all there is. This is, this is awful. I thought this would be a higher moment. Samantha Arsenal, same exact thing in Olympic swimming. So, okay, continue on. It takes us a while for everyone here, a week or so to get together to do this podcast. And Darren sends me a text. Thomas H. Lee. I'm not a private equity guy. I'm not a finance guy at all. I didn't know who Thomas H. Lee was. He's the inventor of the leverage buyout in the in the private equity world. Leverage buyout probably sounds pretty common right now, but it's basically borrowing money to be able to buy a distressed company, build it back up, and then sell it for a profit. He did it with Snapple. I mean, I forget what it was 31 times the value or whatever what it was of what he purchased Snapple for, what he put in for it in terms of borrowing money to make it into a better company and then selling it. The Quaker Oats, who, by the way, lost a good amount of money on it. So background on this dude, he's 78 years old. So when we hear about suicide, you think about someone who's got a life left ahead of them that, oh my God, this is going to be a difficult life to live. This guy is in the twilight of his life, like he's riding off into the sunset. He's worth $2 billion. He's got a wife of 27 years. He's got five kids. He's got two grandkids. And we find out self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. And to bring this all together now and to introduce our guest, I, I'm I'm in Atlanta now. I got a speaking uh, event coming up. And my buddy, who I was friends with in Chicago, when I was working for the team out there, he calls me. He's like, Eric, you know, I've been going through a rough time. Um, things are good financially. I got my three kids. We haven't touched base in a while. But I, like... Because things are good financially, I don't feel, I feel numb to things right now. Like nothing's giving me any joy. Like, I don't know if it's my therapist. I don't know what it is, but, but like, I don't need to push for the next thing to make the next amount of money to be financially stable. And I can see that runway for at least the next year or two years. And I feel stuck. So that was the impetus behind bringing in, I've, I've teased him enough now, Shea Hillenbrand who played for the Sox, who as a Yankees fan, Shay, you were our nemesis back in the early 2000s. D-backs, Blue Jays, Giants, Angels, Dodgers, two-time All-Star in 2002 and 2005, plays over just over six years in Major League Baseball. Guy's no slouch, 284 average, over 100 home runs. I mean, this guy walked away from the game. He's going to tell us why after six years. But top player worked his butt off to get there. And there were so many themes from what he shared with me from one meeting Darren at Super Bowl and then Darren introducing me to me. I said, these things happen for a reason. Like we got to get this group together and talk about this common theme that seems to be there, which is I reach something that is an accolade or an achievement and it's still not enough. And it's still not enough. And it's still not enough. So first off, Shay, welcome you know, I, I I almost like the way that you introduce guests on a show, I almost don't feel like I'm introducing you as a guest because the, the conversation I've had with you, I feel like you're one of us already. I feel the same too, brother. I feel the same too. And I appreciate this opportunity to be here with you guys. It, it's, it's, you know, and by, by the way, Eric, that that's actually, you know, when Shay came, we had a little house for kickstand and Shay came into the house 
um, with his wife and, and eventually his daughters. And, uh, you know, within like five minutes, we were connected. And that's just, ha- that's just how it is. It's almost like you have, you know, those games on Instagram where it goes with your head and it jumbles up and what does it show? You know, it, it basically shows someone who is one of you because you could tell someone who's been through therapy, who knows how to talk, who knows how to get to the bottom of it. And, uh, it, it just everything comes down now for everyone else in the room. He was just a good, really good storyteller. But for me and him, it was immediately that very, very close connection. So, so Shay, take us through that because that's Darren's perspective. You meet Darren at Super Bowl, and Theo and I experience this all, all the time. Is and I'm I'm putting words into your mouth. So tell me if this is how it went down. When you meet someone who has done the work on themselves, it's almost like small talk is bullshit. It's like doesn't exist, right? It's like you 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 read the energy in that person, and you're like, it's it's so deep, so fast. Yeah. So so what was it like, Shay? Like you meet Darren? Like I'm sure you you guys have never met before this, right? Or had you never met? No. No. And so so you know Darren from being you know. He has Andy Roddick hit, hit, you know, tennis balls at him. He uh, he runs a 40-yard dash, and it's funny that it goes viral. But he's also a brilliant sports marketing mind. And so you meet him. Are, are there expectations going in? Or, like, how did it just right away go into this connection of conversation? Yeah, it's a great question. And for myself, I, I'm just – I go in. I walk to the door. I smile. I present myself. I've peeled back the layers of my onion and – uh I shed all those layers of ego and pride and oh look at me. I was the first guy to hit a game winner off Mayan Rivera at Fenway Park and two-time all-star private jets, multiple mansions. Like that's who I used to be. Now it's just like, how can I find people that have the same mission so we can align our voices to make a bigger difference? But for Darren, it was really interesting because he was on task with everything he was doing that night, the very first night. Uh, he had his nuts on the table, the, the brand, the, the, the bags of nuts, uh, <laughs> not his nuts. <laughs> and then, then he was had the the, 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 the the sporting game on with his buddies over here doing the gambling. And then we're making this ridiculous meal. Then you got kickstand over here. You got sneakers lined up at the front door. You got hats. And I'm like, this is amazing. Overload, total, total, total Darren Ravel purposeful overload because but it wasn't overload for me though i did it like i think the same way and i've heard nothing but great things about darren before i met him you got to meet this guy it's great so when i get you know presented with that i just i go with an open heart and and just see and connect and 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 you get past that surface level stuff like you said you go deeper and say hey dude how can we make a difference i've been here you've been there how can we make a difference with the time that we have then i go over and tell stories about my zoo that i owned (laughs) Well, but Shay, do you know going into like you, you describe Darren's particularness, let's call it that, and and preparation for, like, do you know you said how you come into every situation, scaling away ego and not thinking about I'm the two time All Star, not thinking about I'm the guy who hit the home run off Mariano at uh, at Fenway. Do you had you known at this point that Darren was a guy who had use his voice for mental health or did that just come up organically? Yes. 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 Because I was talking to a mutual friend kind of sharing at another event earlier that day. And, uh, 
at that event, they're like, oh, you got to come to the house. You got to talk to Darren. Like he does this, he does that, whatever. So it's, it's almost like a space to where it's like, uh, you just, you just mesh together. But the cool thing is, is that, you know, Darren has a status. He has, a, he, he has, he's done some things and, and for him to be humble enough to come over and just, just have a, with the lack of a better term, an intimate conversation, like that, that's deeper, like you say, like that, that's so invigorating uh, for someone like myself, because you know, you're on the right track. It, you know, you know, you guys will laugh at this, right? So I'm watching that same weekend, Waste Management Open, and Tiger walks by, maybe it wasn't, uh, you guys can tell me if it was Waste Management, it just happened to be the same weekend. Tiger walks by Josh Allen. And it couldn't have been a more awkward conversation between two people who are celebrities. And this is not, look, they probably were 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 seen in a very, like, awkward setting with one another. But to your point, it's like, I'm Tiger Woods. I'm Josh Allen. Like, other than you knowing me as a football player and a guy who dominates because I'm big on the field, and then I, I'm a guy who has dominated golf. Like, this is how we know each other. And it was kind of like a, yo, what's up, man? Acknowledge that we're both great. And then walk past each other. If, if if there was a, I guess if there were a camera on Shay and I, it wouldn't have mattered. We would have right. had the same conversation. No, I would, yeah, I yeah. would have had the same, I would have opened up in the same, because it doesn't matter. Like that, I think that's the thing. Like, I think people who are concerned about ego and status, when a camera comes on, they then add an extra layer. And, and you know, that's, that's kind of the difference. Especially, Darren, when you're faced with, someone else who also has accomplished a lot right that's why i brought up the tiger josh allen thing is because it's probably even harder in a way because it's like how do i puff out my chest even more than you puff out your chest or my peacock feathers or whatever it is Theo, i want you to chime in a little bit because you talk about this idea of like we collect people and i think for everyone who's hearing this like my takeaway is and i, and I want to hear your version of it is like People are probably listening to this going, well, yeah, that's because Shay and Darren have done the work and they've admitted that mental health is part of their life. So they had to do that work. And there's a reality to this that there's just a coming to center and like a willingness to, to, to shed the outer shell that once you do it and how freeing that is, how much that connects you with other people. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Um, well, the way I see it is, you know, before we actually say words to each other we actually meet in the unconscious so we meet energetically so you know it's it's a gift from experiencing trauma is you know you become really hyper vigilant so you have to know who all the safe people are and who all the dangerous people are in like a millisecond when you go into certain situations and it's just so, like it's just a radar that that you have right and so you know 
it doesn't surprise me that, you know, Darren and Shay connected on that spiritual level almost immediately because, you know, that's, that's part of, you know, the gift we get from, you know, experiencing trauma or going through struggle is that we have this sort of sixth sense that, that, uh, you know, we, we connect with people who we want to connect. And especially if we do our own work, then that, that radar is even more magnified and it's more in tune. Right. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's something that, um, you know, I used to think it was a curse, but now I see it as truly as a, as a gift of having to experience a lot of, you know, horrible shit in my life is that uh through the pain and through all the suffering and you know and then unpacking it all and understanding it and everything you know and realizing you know truly what a gift it is that that uh that i did receive from all the the negative shit that that we've, happened in my all, life we've all, been, we've all been through negative shit that's the interesting thing to me. it's been at different levels different quantities and I think mm. your, your your idea of being intuitive about it, your intuition gets even greater. And I'm listening to Shay share with me. And I've had across the gamut, different athletes, different entertainers who open up to me, sometimes just because I shared my story and then they felt comfortable. In Shay's case, it didn't necessitate me opening up, which was fascinating. Like Shay was ready to go and share with me. Now he probably was prepped a little bit also by Darren, like, this is a guy who works with different athletes, works with different entertainers. But I think I'm, I'm, the reason I'm harping on this point, Shay and, and Theo, is because I don't want people out there to think like, well, I haven't been through as much as these guys have, so I don't have the ability to do what they're talking about that they've done. But Eric, it, it, just, but it, it, it takes some, <laughs> just a, a small amount, right? So like when Shay says, and we'll have him tell the idea of a $50 million story, but when Shay says, oh, and then I left $50 million on the table, most people, people who haven't been through the work, and I'm not trying to put people in baskets. I know we purposely don't do that. But like most people would be like 50 million. But like to me, who's been through things where I have been humbled by what goals really are, right? I actually don't like the 50 million glosses. Oh, like that that's for people who don't understand and be like 50 million. How could you leave 50 million? But for someone who's been through things, right? That ultimate goal, which you started out at the beginning of this broadcast talking about we understand that the ultimate goal doesn't become the ultimate goal. Sure. So, so every goal that's told to us by society is the ultimate goal. Right. right. So I was, yeah. so, so, so to that 2010 or 13 years since I was leaving Vancouver, leaving the Vancouver Olympics, my life is broken up into, and yours is too, in a way, because you were charging the same way of, I'm going to be a team president, I'm going to be commissioner of the NBA, but goal, 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 goal. My life is broken up into what matters, what I thought mattered into 2010, from 2010 to 2023, what I know what matters and what my real accomplishments I've seen as seen from the outside world are, and what my real accomplishments are from me looking in and understanding my greatest accomplishment is getting through this. That's my greatest accomplishment, getting through this. My greatest accomplishment is not any of the successes that will ever be mentioned when I die. Yeah. 
Well, and, and if I when I hear fifty million left on the table, I go, that's a whole lot of fucking crazy, right? You know, it really is. You know, because that's not reality. That's not reality. Mm-hmm. Is farthest thing from reality that there is. You know, uh, I had all the money in the world, and it corrupted every single person, including myself. Um, and you know, we just lived this crazy existence where it, there was so much dysfunction because of the money. It it, it wasn't real. It Theo, truly... what's, the, what's the line you always use that every two weeks there was $340,000 in my bank account and the party was 400 coming. grand. Yeah. Every, yeah. 400 grand after taxes every two weeks. And it's like, you know, it's like my, my two-year-old was sitting in the back seat of the car and he found this envelope and it was a check from the Rangers that I forgot the cash. Ricky Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and it's, it, yeah, it, it's a whole lot of really bad shit that, you know, is not reality. So, so there's a book, there's a book, and this is where I want shaded to dive a little bit deeper in the story. There's a book, um, obviously no issues with language here, you know, uh, uh, author Manson, uh, called Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And it became a New York Times bestseller. And you go into any airport, you can still get it. And the basic premise of it was, we only have so many Fs to give, right? And the Fs to give, when we put it into things that we count, well, I made 2 million this year. Okay, well, then I got to make 3 million next year. Well, I got two cars last year. Well, now I got to get three cars next year. When you put the 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 passion of what matters behind things and accolades and awards you're never happy because you're always chasing and that so so obviously the 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 kyle suicide at 49 the financer the private equity suicide at 78 didn't happen before i spoke to shay and i'm hearing shay's story and i'm like this dude it's incredible. And Shay, my, my other big takeaway as you as you tell a little more detail of it was I thought because after Shay ends up playing and he, he always had a desire to to own a farm and he's got a farm in his friggin' house in Arizona and he's bringing underprivileged kids to this farm. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, at least he found purpose there where he didn't find purpose in baseball, but that still wasn't enough of a fix. And you'll dive into that a little bit because he hadn't done the internal work on himself yet. So you want to, I, I, I've, I've laid the groundwork for that shape, but like take us from what it's like being in your head, being in that plane on your way to the all-star game, because, because people who think that that is the ideal, they can't possibly imagine that that is as bad of a feeling as like how you described it when you're in the plane, how you described it to me. Yeah, absolutely. So 2005, I'm flying to the All-Star game, Detroit, Michigan from Chandler, Arizona. And uh, I, I walked through the private terminal, talked to the secretary. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Go to the plane. Uh, so flight attendant, we have, and then the pilot, co-pilot. How you guys doing? Nice. Putting on that fake face to try to cover up that pain inside myself. And and I sit down on, on at my seat and I take off and 
I didn't have any distractions. Usually I have my entourage or usually I have my, my kids or my dogs because I'm a huge animal lover. Uh, didn't have my wife, didn't have anybody with me. So I'm flying to my childhood dream on a Citation 10 private jet, fastest civilian jet in the world going 640 miles an hour. Uh, on top of the world, like, like living my childhood dream real time and looking out the window and like, like, man, like, just like, is this what life is all about? Like, is this all life has to offer? Like I've, I've apexed this mountain and I can't let anybody see or expose the, the shattered soul I have inside myself. Uh, so I can cover that up with the veil of major league baseball and the success thereof. Um, so I had to go put on a, a smiley face the next night and perform like a monkey clown and a circus clown. And, and, and if I didn't perform, uh, I'm not going to have a job. And if you don't have a job, uh, this is where a lot of people get stuck. Like with professional athletes or people that have success is like, if you're not performing, you're not going to have a job. And if you don't have a job, you don't have an identity, right? It's just uh, very difficult. And so many times, like you think about just putting a pistol in your mouth. It's like, like it's, it's, it's crazy. And hearing you guys talk like Theo, like, I was cashed for $400,000 paychecks. Like my, my, my current wife now, like we were cleaning out a storage unit right when we were getting engaged and she found a, a pay stub from the Dodgers that was five years before and it was $29,000. I didn't even, the same thing, didn't cash it because it's just like, you, you just become numb to freaking everything around you. And, and I called up the Dodgers and they reissued the check and I bought my wife's engagement ring with that. Like, it's just you, like, it's just, it seems unfathomable. Oh, yeah, that, but like that's you, freaking out. Hold, hold that. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. It's insanity. But my wife, like Kristen was going through each file, like each paper. And I was like, just throw them all in the dumpster. I don't care. Like, I hate my life. I hate where I'm at. And she's like, no, we have to go through this. And, and she went through it. And she's like, what's this? I'm like, it's probably just to pay a direct deposit because every paycheck you have is direct deposit. She's like, no, I work for Wells Fargo. This is not a direct deposit. So she's like, and it's for 20, whatever thousand dollars. So, um, it's just, those are things, uh, it's just, it's very difficult to express to the, the you know, the average person, but it, as you guys are talking guys, like for myself, like how did I connect with Darren? Like, I know the, f I know the effing pain. I know that pain. I that pain of being curled up inside my master closet for four days. I called it a fast, but I was in the fetal position for four days after my second divorce. And it just I wanted to die. And not knowing how to articulate it, communicate it, ego fill in the gap, all that stuff. And uh, people don't understand. So I get it when people take their life. I get it when people reach that apex, that mountain. Um uh like Theo said, or what Darren said, excuse me, um, my greatest feat ever was beating that delta, that delta of being on top and losing absolute everything in my life, being one breath away and coming back to where I am now, finding finding per all the stuff that I have now that like, that's what I'm going to take to my grave. That's what I'm going to share. That's what I want people to understand. Like, I don't want people to feel that pain that I had. And if I, I can offer a voice or, or something of reasoning and understanding, how them being seen or heard, that's where I'm at. And that's what I did. When I left Major League Baseball, leaving 50 millions on the table, I bought a zoo. Like, I had 300 farm and exotic animals. I had camels, kangaroos, llamas, alpacas, monkeys. I had everything in the world. And I used these animals to help inner city disabled and child crisis children in our community through my nonprofit foundation. And we changed lives every single day. Like the stuff that happened there was priceless. But what I realized is that that was just stroking my ego. Don't you guys see this is me? Because I had that pain inside myself and I didn't know what to do. 
That's the scariest spot when you reach the apex. People need to hear that clearly, okay? Because this was the part that I couldn't understand at first when Shay shared this. Not that I couldn't understand it, like, that it didn't make sense logically, but more that I couldn't understand it, like, you're giving back so much, Shay. Like, how that, that must feel so freaking good to help these kids who never get this experience before. And what he said to me was... I was stroking my own ego by being like, look at what I'm doing by helping these kids out. Instead of it being altruistically like, I care about these kids having the experience. It's like, it, this is Shay. This is Shay giving this experience to them. Now, where does that come from, right? It comes from an inner emptiness when you haven't worked on yourself. So Shay, the thing that you didn't talk about only because we took it out of order, and it's such a common thing that everyday people deal with before you ever became a major league baseball player, if you're open to speaking about it, is where some of that inner inner emptiness came from related to some family stuff, right? And like, I think that that stuff will speak to so many people because it wasn't this, when we talk about the concept of trauma, people think you have to have been in a car accident and a friend had have gone through the windshield for that to have been traumatic and that's not what it takes. 100%. And it's crazy because my story is minuscule to so many other people's stories. But when I share my story with people, I always tell them, your story is your truth. And your truth is is your belief system, how you perceive the world, your perspective, the lens of you see the world is formed from your truth, from your stories and your experiences in your life. But I'm 14 years old, sitting on my bed and my dad walks into my room and he drops a bombshell. I'm getting ready to go to high school, just finished junior high. And, uh, uh, find my identity through sports and friends. I don't have a voice. I'm when you're always one of the better players, athletes, or whatever, you can get away with so many things. All you have to do is go out there and just perform in the field, and you can get away. I didn't know how to have a relationship, whatever. So my dad walks in the room, he drops a bombshell at me at that time in my life, and that's what I want to convey to people: is that's my truth and what I experienced. He says that we're moving. And we're moving out of state. So right before my sophomore year of high school, you know, we moved from Southern California to Arizona. But the thing is, is what I want to share with people is that when I look back on that time, probably a defining moment in my life to to define the trajectory of what drove me and started driving that wedge inside myself and creating that emptiness and that pain that I experienced was the story I told myself. And the way I interpreted and communicated that one stupid experience to myself ultimately broke me because the story I told myself, man, my dad doesn't love me. I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. Why would he move me from all my friends, community of sports, all that stuff? He doesn't understand where I'm at. He doesn't get what I'm feeling. So when I moved from California to Arizona, I just made a commitment to myself to become an overachiever through athletics to prove my worthiness to my father. So in high school, number one soccer player in Arizona, I was way better at soccer than baseball. And then I walked down to junior college, but that one stupid story. And I, and, and just like you guys, Eric, like I've talked to so many people, especially athletes, like, like I was around a couple, you know, entertainers last night, same things. We struggle with these things in our life and we have this emptiness and we're in this spotlight and we're in this and everybody wants to be you, right? Little girls, will you marry me, Shay? Autograph signings, $10,000 an hour. But they don't see that pain, man. 
that pain, like this, this resonating in my soul, like, and that's what drove me to play the pain driven game. Yes. That got me to the top. Yes. That fueled me every single day, but it was toxicity. I burnt every bridge. I didn't know how to have a relationship. I cheated on my wife. I, 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 I cut my parents out of my whole career, like, like all that stuff. And here I am in a spotlight, but it was my truth. And as we fast forward, did the work. I left Major League Baseball. I, I was a cancer in the clubhouse. I was the a-hole. It's like, this guy's a Tasmanian devil. You know, I, I, I called Theo Epstein explicitives on the radio. I got in a fight with the manager in Toronto with the Blue Jays. And But that's not me. This is me. That was a shattered, hurt little boy just trying to protect and not let people see uh, who I truly was because you see that as a weakness, right? So... Um, that story that I told myself, and it continued with similar stories and how I interpreted that, this went over and over and over and over every single day. And it drove that hole deeper and that ego was bigger because it's being stroked. And what I figured through that process, when you operate off ego, you can't find sustainable success and you can never find fulfillment. So as you go into the zoo, what happens from there is that, yeah, like, I mean, I was a guy in Boston when I was playing for the Sox, like I would go into the hospitals, the children's hospitals. I'd help, like, I wouldn't have the camera. I wouldn't have the media because I didn't want that. So I, I was trying to do it. The underlining uh, philanthropical, like the, the giving aspect was there, but that pain superseded that so much to where I had to find something to cover that pain up uh, as I was performing and I was living out my second childhood dream. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The, the amazing thing about that is people hear that story and they hear the trajectory of it and they hear where the pain came from. And as kids, we interpret what our parents do and say, however we interpret it. It doesn't mean that's how our parents meant it. I've seen people who beautiful girl and is told by their parents, you're beautiful, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. And then the girl interprets that as, well, I'm stupid because they don't talk about how smart I am and they don't put my report cards up on the refrigerator. We, as kids, it's not necessarily that our parents did the wrong thing. And Shay does have a story to tell about the reason, maybe later on, why his dad did move them. But it's it's we tell ourselves these stories because we're feeling a certain thing. We're looking for acceptance. And then it is fascinating because you can look at the most philanthropic person. You could look at the guy with the biggest smile. I'm not saying this about Shaq, but let's use him as an example, just because he's such a jolly giant with a smile all the time. And you say, now you could look at that and you can say, is that person really doing that because of how good they know what makes the other person feel? Or are they doing it because of how good it makes them feel because they're covering up the emptiness that they have inside? And I use that example so that you all who are listening can be introspective and go, 
Why do I do what I do? What is my motivation behind what I'm doing? And the reason why it's so relevant in this conversation, since we bring it to current event stories, is one, you hear with Kyle Kelly Pickler's husband that he won that major award right before he dies by suicide. Darren, you might be more involved in the private equity trader world, right? Or know the folks there. But apparently this guy like literally invented the, the leverage buyout. And then the more recent, like when you're 78 years old and you're still in the game, that means your identity is tied to the game. There's no other explanation for it other than your identity is tied to the game. Because and, that, and that's actually, and that's actually so he had his firm with his name on it, but he yes. was no longer involved in raising no longer the money. Involved. But but what what's very interesting uh, is that with this story, the media has a very difficult time because as someone who's in the media, in the fourth paragraph is supposed to be the time when you tell people why it went wrong, how he committed suicide, why it makes rational sense, and... You never get that. He, You don't get the paragraph where he lost all his money. You don't get the paragraph where, uh, you know, he got into crypto. You're waiting for crypto. You don't get the, you get nothing. In fact, no one's been able to say that he's been worth, like you're waiting for it to be, he hit zero. And, and you don't get that. So you're talking about the crash of the money, which the average person who doesn't understand trauma's impact and that hole in your heart would say, oh, he went from being worth a certain amount to be worth half that. That's why he did it, right? And that's not the case. And that's not the case. Because he's still worth that. Now, what they did say, which is which is an interesting piece of this, and none of us were in his head. We don't they said he was having a difficult time raising the capital that he used to be able to raise when the firm was under his name when he first started off, right? So my mind immediately goes to, I'm this guy who's known for being the baller in this space, okay? I People look up to me like an icon, and now I'm in a room competing with seven other firms. Including the, including the one with my name on with it. With my name on it. And, and if, then kills himself, and then and then dies by suicide, uh, at his de- at a desk that he had on the firm with his name on his it. Name so 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 maybe here is the you know I reached the pinnacle and now there's you know and I've gone down and it's all surface level and there's nothing more. And we don't know look we don't know to Shay's point about working on ourselves. We don't know what type of work this man did whether he whether he came to center whether but it but the details of the common thread and the theme that we're seeing of the chase, 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 because that's what's going to give me fulfillment seems to be such a common theme here where it keeps coming up that like getting to that next rung or in his case, getting back to being that icon, getting back to the man at 78 years old, who was the same guy at 48 and at 38, who was doing the things that he was that was difficult to achieve. And now it's like, what else is there? And this is a guy who's got, the reason I bring up the five kids and the reason I bring up the, the two grandkids is because he's got things to live for. And, he, and and yet sometimes you can't appreciate those things, right? And like coming off the heels of the last episode that we did, Darren, you know, it was like, you weren't here for it, but we did it about Lindsay Clancy 
with with you know postpartum none of us have been mothers because there's four guys on this call right now like can you imagine being a mom and not being able to feel what it's like to love your kids how how absolutely deflating and in a way the answer is yes we can feel that because we've all felt a certain level of numbness related to feelings in our life we can't put ourselves to being what it's like dealing with postpartum and being the mother of kids after having delivered those kids to be fair to women but we can tell what it's like we can we can compare the feelings that we've had or the lack thereof when we've had connectivity i see shay shaking his head like shay you have kids like you have a wife now like to know that you you were trying to bring all this goodness into your life but it was through things there had to be periods during that where you're like why can't i feel more why 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 don't i feel more connectivity why don't why don't i feel more in the moment that's the question we always ask, man. And I think you just hit it right in the head is if we continually ask ourselves that. And I guarantee you, and I can't say I guarantee you, but I have a strong, strong feeling that that's exactly what those two gentlemen were feeling that just took the actions that they took. And, and, uh, it's just, I never thought I could feel this feeling right now without, um, blasting, like taking a bunch of Adderall. I used to take uh, six 30 milligram Adderalls a day and, and vodka and, and like, I wasn't really a drug addict, but it's just like, it's just, it's crazy that like, I, I never thought it was possible. Like, like so how do I, I can figure everything else out, but I can't figure this out. Right. And, and then you go back to, if you reverse engineer, it's like, okay, like you, 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 you have to become obsessed for what you're doing to be able to reach that level of success. And, and when you do that, you, you know, other areas of your life are going to sacrifice. It's tough. It's very difficult to manage a marriage when you become that successful. It's very difficult to uh, show up as a father because it's like your, your, your thought process and your, your focus and attention is on your profession because I didn't know who I was before I went into what I did. Simple as that. I didn't know who I was before I became a professional athlete in the minor league system, right? And as the higher you go, the more pressure you have. Uh, obsession becomes the name of the game, and the more pressure you have, like like it's insanity. Like you you become attached. Your identity just shifts to that. It's like there's nothing else because I've sold my soul to do this, and I live and die on this. So as myself, I picked the wrong sport because it's built around failure, right? And it's just uh, I just rode that roller coaster. One day good, one day bad, but it's just like. Who the hell am I? When I showed up to the stadium each and every night, I had a fielding coach. I had a hitting coach. I had a videographer that analyzed everything I did on the field to be able to study to make 1% a minute change or adjustment in my swing or whatever I did. I had a, a massage therapist. I had a chef. You have everything in the world. But when I left the stadium every night, I had nothing to focus on Shea Hillenbrand, the person. Right. And you don't know who you are it's, it's as simple that as why, that i think that's why shay the four of us you said it before the fulfillment you had and i told you when you told me your story that you took the words out of theo's mouth because one of the first times i ever spoke to theo back in 2017 you know and it's it's been shared on this show before but it's an impactful story but i it's important to say i said theo would you give up your favorite nhl goal you ever scored to save someone's life. And he said, I'd give up my Stanley Cup ring and my Olympic gold medal just to change one person's life. I was put on this earth not to be a hockey player. I was put on this earth to help people. Hockey just happens to give me the platform to be able to help people. And that's what Shea is saying through baseball. Darren at a young age was an idiot savant with acting. 
and with his voice in broadcasting through Northwestern. I was a scholar athlete who was told by all my friends, you're going to be the commissioner of the NBA one day because you're driven and because you know how to put things together and fix puzzles and you're, you got the athletic side of it, but you also got the business side of it. And all of us, all of us looking at the screen started in a place where we were told you're great at this thing. And this thing is not right now the thing that gives us the most fulfillment. What gives us the most fulfillment is what we're doing right now. We Soci society was branding us and make and shaping us, and we didn't know who we are. Well, we society wasn't. And in fairness, Darren, I'm not saying they did this nefariously, but our parents were branding us, our friends were branding us. Like society is also the people <laughs> we're surrounded with because their idea of what success is. Let's look at the NBA player who comes out of you know inner city Chicago and now is supposed to be the savior for his city, for his town, for whatever it is. Look at Theo coming out of Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, and people are like, oh, like he's literally the guy that everyone's going to hang their hat on, right? Like, you know, Shay's identity in California at first and then the identity in, in Arizona afterwards. It's like we, we're, we're, we're thought that we're going to be like the ones who make it for that town or that city, right? And And even for the people who aren't in that spot, you, you have a chip on your shoulder. You haven't been told you're the greatest, but you're going to prove everyone wrong, right? Like, I think everyone's got a little piece of that in them. But the little piece of that in them is like, I'm going to make it big in, fill in the blank on the industry. Fill in the, and, and it's funny because when you're a little kid, you you look at adults and you see them wearing like the jello jump shirt for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And you see them wearing like, you know, a hoops for heart shirt for the American Heart Association. And you're like, that's a quirky shirt. Like, why is that adult wearing that shirt? Like, oh, I guess when you're rich enough, you give money away. Like, that's what you think of as a kid. But then you you become an adult yourself and you realize like meaning really comes from giving back and making an impact on people's lives. Once you've figured some shit out yourself, being able to help other people in a truly meaningful way is more rewarding than anything any of us done. This is a group of in athletic pursuits, but I bet you we bring in entertainers, we bring in actors, we bring in finance people. They would say the same thing that this is this brings more fulfillment than anything. So it's it's you know I I what what upsets me is when I see people passing like we did, and I bring it back to that just because it's the it's the it's the nexus of this show for this episode. It pains me because it makes me wonder how much were they given the opportunity? How much did they know to dive deep in that? How much was their life about fulfillment and not about the stuff? And would we have been able to save them if there was a way for them to see this? The way that Theo says we collect people to see this type of conversation happen and go, wow, those guys are speaking my language. That emptiness that I'm feeling right now is very similar to what they described they felt before maybe if i opened up and i shared and i opened up and i found my inner core i'd get to the place that they're at right now not to say that we're at some <laughs> height that like you know it, it, we're done now we're done with our work but meaning we're in a much better we're all in a much better place now than we each were 10 years ago
So I, I agree with you, man. May I share something real quick? The scariest part is, is that uh, you think that if you reach that success or you reach that point of, of whatever you decided that that apex, that mountain or, or whatever we have inside our ideology of what we believe, if I just reach that, everything will be going away. Everything, all my problems or all my pain and all this stuff that I experience it will, will, will be eradicated. And once you reach that is what we're talking about on this, this call right now is that once you reach that, you understand that it doesn't. But what we don't realize is there's a level deeper than that. Just below that is, is your interpersonal relationships with your spouse, with your family, parents, siblings, and then your children. And, and I am a poster child for that. Uh, I, I, I put all my eggs in one basket as a performer, as a, as a professional athlete, and I did damage in my interpersonal relationships, especially I get choked up, man, because I have three adopted children. And I did a lot of damage in that relationship with my children. I passed along generational curses that I had with my father to my kids and my children are 18 and 16 and 16 right now. And I allowed my children to go live with their mom a year ago. And uh, their mom called me last week and she said, my 16 year old son ran away and he's with people that were going to commit suicide. And that's scary as a father and all that ego and all that pride and all that status, all the stuff we're talking about goes away because this is real life stuff that you're dealing with. And I think a lot of people in my situation will, will try to hide that and cover it up and look at me, what I've accomplished. And, and he, he's at my, he spent all last week with me at the horse show and, and we, we did a, spend a lot of time together. And I, I'm in that position now, like, like you're talking about, to be able to um, re rebuild and, and, and be able to move past and build those bridges and, and, and mend things up and show up as a man and own things that we did because we always try to justify it. It's all you and you don't understand. And I'm trying to no, own that stuff. And, and I think that's what I want to try to share. If anybody gets anything out of this podcast with me right now is that uh, it doesn't make life dandy, but it equips you to be able to either restore or build or be able to grow through. And, and, and my son's here right now. And I, I was actually late to this because uh, we're having a really serious conversation with him that's, it's hard for him because he's really struggling and, and uh, being able to show up as a man and, and talk to your son and, and say, you know what, dude, like I did mess up and I did do things and, and I'm not the same person. We're growing past that and I'll be here to support you with, with that, whatever we need to do to get you the resources so he doesn't end up in that spot, exactly what we're talking about. So I, I appreciate you guys letting me to, to be able to share that, but I, I think that's super important. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. You're still, you're still his, his father and you're still, you know how many people can't ever get to that point and don't ever get to that point. So exactly, you know, it's, exactly. It, it's, it's almost like we all talked about nothing else matters. And I feel it's so funny with, with my kids, um, you know, oh, uh, my kid needs glasses. And there's some parents who are embarrassed, like, oh, my God, they I don't want to see my kid with glasses. And I'm like, who, what, who cares? Oh, my kid needs to go to a, another school because he's dyslexic.
what who who cares like it's all it's all about like everything goes once once you realize what is truly important life actually does yes you still have to deal with everything but when you know that nothing's going to go away this is a part of you exactly. everything else really becomes superficial every Shay's ability to emote the way that he did and share what he shared about the relationship with his son your ability to talk about comparing you know glasses doesn't matter all that stuff that relationship that she's talking about interpersonally with other people and i know theo picking up his daughter and taking her to school we don't get to have those relationships interpersonally with our loved ones if we don't form a relationship with ourselves first and get down to the core of what has ailed us like she's situation with his own father right and i say that because you know I, you guys know personally what's been going on with me stuff like I, I've, I've noticed things in my own life with people where there's like there's relationship jumpers out there who go from like one person to the next at a validation whether it's relationship jumpers friends like you i i wrote this one thing where like we've all had a friend where we're close to that friend and you've talked about this other person in your acquaintance circle that you know is toxic but yet the second you and your friend kind of lose a little bit of that bond with each other, that friend goes to the toxic person because they need the validation that someone cares about them, right? Or the woman that you date, or if it's a woman listening, the man that you date or whatever your preference is, and you leave your partner and then that partner immediately goes to the next person and immediately goes to the next person. Why do people do that? Why do people go to the next person in a friendship or a family or a romantic relationship? It's a need of validation because they have this inner core and this inner wound that they've not worked on themselves. And for Shay to emote the way that he did for tears to come out of him is because it's coming from a place of his rawest being of him being on a floor, which he didn't share in a van and the light shining through in the crack as he's down there because he needed to get to that low place. We're hoping that other people out there don't have to get to that low place. Like the four of us on here have gotten some pretty freaking low places, right? We're trying to get in front of this so you guys don't have to get there and say, guys, work on yourselves. Get to the core of yourself. Do the journaling. Do the meditation. Do the yoga. Do the spiritual work. You want to do it through a therapist? My only recommendation with a therapist is don't just do this thing alone called talk therapy. Ask your therapist for skills that they're going to teach you to help you get to center. That's what it takes because the relationships that Shay now uh, uh, is able to appreciate, maybe not to the fullest extent yet that he'd like to, but that he's able to appreciate with the people in his family is because he did the work. It's not because all of a sudden the people in his family gave him purpose. He needs to find purpose in him first before he could find purpose in those interpersonal relationships by putting words in your mouth. Well, you, you, you can't get to the amends process if you don't do any work on yourself, yeah. right? You know what I mean? I love the process of making amends. You know, I hurt lots of people in my life and, you know, have been able to go back and say, hey, I'm sorry I was an asshole. And, you know, here here's what I'm doing today. I'm going to continue on this journey, you know, not everybody uh, liked what I had to say, but I had to say it, right? I had to say it, and then they get to choose what they do with it, right? 
but I got to say I was sorry. I apologized, you know, move on. And I would say nine times out of 10, I got a pretty incredible, amazing response from, you know, humbling myself to a place where, you know, I could apologize and, you know, take the ego out, take all the bullshit out, you know, but I, I, I also, and, and I'm a big believer in every relationship is repairable, no matter how off the rails it goes, you know, every relationship is repairable as long as long forgive your, 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 uh, sexual abuser. I mean, like I, you know, that, that speak volumes for people that you mm-hmm. go into prisons and you tell people like as bad as what you did out there i know that you can find a way out of this and you can heal yourself mm-hmm. yeah like you don't have to forget but you need to forgive yourself right and it always comes comes down to that you know is that uh forgiveness is a part of healing it's a big part of healing and Nine times out of 10, it's not about forgiving the person that did the bad stuff is, you know, human nature. We always think that we should take some responsibility for what happened to us. And, and, and so, you know, we, you know, we, we go around with abandonment, neglect issues. We go around with, I'm not good enough. I'm not lovable. You know, some of us, do I even exist because we're so alone and so isolated in our pain that, that we just can't see and, and, you know, we get stuck in that trauma loop, you know, and we just can't get out of it because of our own, you know, our own thinking and, and, and our own experience. And, and so, you know, you need external either people or situations to come and show you that oh maybe it wasn't my fault you know that's why i love i love the that scene in goodwill hunting is is you know where robin williams says to will wasn't your fault wasn't your fault wasn't your fault and then finally like the light bulb goes off in will's head and he goes yeah really wasn't you know i was a young innocent kid in foster care and some crazy guy was beating the shit out of me every day how was that my fault how was that my fault are supposed to be teaching the kids and unfortunately that doesn't happen you know in most cases and so the kids take on that pain from that person and they make it their own and then they carry it through the rest of their lives and that's where the behavior theo like when when shay describes how he was in the clubhouse and you mm-hmm. describe how you were oftentimes to reporters or in the locker room mm-hmm. or whatever it's it's like there's always a reason behind the behavior. We're looking out at a big stage in an NHL and a major league baseball stage. I want the teachers who are out there who are listening to this, who judge the kid who flips his desks in class or who screams and yells, or is always the one trying to get attention. That guy's not trying to be an asshole. That girl's not trying to be an asshole because they hate you as a teacher. They're doing that because they're in pain and they don't know what else to do with themselves like yeah and 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 maybe try and find out where that pain is coming from yeah right you know like what's going on at home oh my dad's a drug addict my mom's this and then it makes sense right and then the teacher can come at it with a compassionate lens 
instead of the other lens that they use, you know, because it's so much easier to label yep. than it is to actually help somebody. Yep. And that look and, and, and bringing it full circle, or, or I'll use a analogy for Shay coming around third. Um, look at what is happening in the media with the story of Lee, right? With the story. It's always look at what happened with the with the with the shooting in Vegas a number of years ago already. The guy comes to the mic and immediately goes, We will not stop until we find a motive. Same thing with, with the suicides here. We will not stop until we find a reason. Sometimes it's not a reason. Sometimes a person's just in so much pain from the stuff that's built up over time. Pain we know, mental health pain leads towards thoughts of self-harm and thoughts of harm to others. That's one of the effects. And yet, like our society keeps pounding, it's got to be one plus one equals two. Until we appreciate how much emotional pain hurts people, until people hopefully either video when it comes out on showing Shay's emotion, we've all shown emotion on our show, see how real the pain is that's inside. We're, we don't get anywhere in this space because we continue to try to say there's a one reason behind each action. And that's not the case. Cases, it's a cumulative build over time. And if you hear us talk ad nauseum about the same themes, it's because we bring on different guests related to different current event topics and we show the thread. So Darren, maybe you want to bring us home on this because you 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 you're the one who always talks about that there's not that thread out there you know that i point it out all the time but that's what the show is for tonight right is that it's to it's to bring together cohesion no one is no one is reporting on the finance world and the country music world at the same time tying it to the mother in duxbury world tying it to a professional athlete world but yet that's what it takes for people to see the theme that comes together yeah, and, there, and it's it's all similar and it's all not similar, right? It's all similar in the patterns at 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 the lowest level, and then it's all not similar because, uh, you know, there there are people who have all their different issues, but it is all trauma. It is on that continuum that we talk about. Um, it's it is five and five. It's everyone being affected, um, and and I. I this is why you know I find great pleasure in doing this show and why it's so important because I feel guilty talking about guilt as a member of the media that I know that my people look for the story in the Lee story and don't find it they're looking for other things but then they're not looking for the connection which is the most important thing and the way it comes off to everyone is this person died by suicide. They're a freak. This person died by suicide. This is why it happened. And, you know, so I know that my profession is creating the look for and has so much creativity about looking for and the way that they write their stories and it has to fill a Mad Lib and is doing nothing towards the connection of all of them, which is why we do this. You nailed it, Shay. Anything you want to part with? I mean, you, you, I don't know from a take, I'll just say this from my end, you know, you're someone who's part of the family now, um, whether you like it or not. Um, and 
it's it's every time a new person comes into this circle like this it's like i can go, i know i can go two days without talking to you two months without talking to you two years without talking to you. hopefully it'll never be that long but that bond is still there because once you've seen it from the other side that it doesn't go away and you're a part of the club yeah and no, i i mean i appreciate that and it's just uh so humbling and that I mean, I couldn't even do this before. I couldn't even go to Darren's house and walk in and meet new people. I was so far gone. I could step to the plate in, in Yankee Stadium, but I could never step to the plate at the supper table and five-star restaurants. Crazy. It's it's real. You know what I mean? It's real. And it's, it's, it's common thread over and over and over. And I'm working with a lot of professional baseball players, MLB players, minor league players. It's the same story. It's the same song and dance. And I think the more people we can bind together and say, you know what, dude, I don't have all the answers. And I just share with you guys, like, I really don't care. I, I allow myself to be vulnerable, to give hopes for somebody just to understand, like, man, if he's going through that and these guys are doing it, maybe this might give me hope for one more day. I might be one breath away, not from losing my life or giving up where I thought I was, but one breath away from a breakthrough with a switch of a perspective and understanding that, you know what, I can do it. It's five and five, exactly what you guys said. So thank you so much for this opportunity. For sure, brother. Uh, you know, uh, every the, the, I think the best way to end this show is to say, you know, we went over an hour and it felt like 10 minutes. And I hope that, that everyone who listens feels that way because when it's not interview style of let's come up with the questions, what they are before, and let's have them baked in and what, and let's talk about what the responses are going to be. This is just real. And when it's real, you don't want to leave the group because once you found your people, it feels good to be with them. So I hope everyone felt that listening to the show on behalf of Darren, on behalf of Theo and our guest, Shay Hillenbrand. Been another episode of We're All a Little Crazy brought to you by the hashtag seen here, Global Mental Health Movement, and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much.